Welcome to Rogue Boys, the basketball series. Myself, Mike Procopio. Another week for NBL, NBA, and world basketball news. A lot to get through, so let's get started. Pro, what's news from the US? Nothing new, Bogues. Watched, uh, I'll tell you what, the Lakers should stop production on that LeBron James statue and build one for Jared Vanderbilt. <laughs> he was that good today, huh? Oh, my God. He saved them today. I mean, they were... 27-point comeback 20, or 20-something, 20, 20 right? 27, yeah. Mm. I mean, they, they were dead to rights first half, folks. They couldn't make any shots. They couldn't do anything. Iso, iso, iso. And then this guy out of nowhere, folks, just, that you know, I'll tell you what, I'll put uh, Darvin Ham, I'll give him a lot of credit. He ended up putting Vanderbilt on, on Luka. In his length and size, he's got great feet so he can move. I mean, look, it's not going to happen over an 82-game season shutting a guy like that down. But, I mean, he really – he took them out of his game a little bit where it made, him a lot, it made it a lot more difficult. And then they would switch on guards to Lucas, so just in case they switched. But he was really effective. And just the energy he showed, just running the floor, finishing, passing. He was good. He was really good. And like I said, when they made the trade with Westbrook – you know, I don't mind the trade they made as long as he was in the trade coming back. That was that was really smart by Polinka to get him. I think that he could help them. Look, they're still terror. They're not they're not a good team, and I don't. I still think they could miss the the plan depending on schedule. But I think that he really gives them sort of a, a boost defensively long term past this year. And I think uh, it was pretty cool to watch. Finished with what did he have? Sixteen. 15, 17, and four steals. So um, played really well. Really, the, the pickups they got, I mean, Beasley's been okay for him. Had a bad yeah. night tonight, but yeah, I thought they were dead to rights against Dallas and they came back. But um, the Lakers are coming for that 10, baby. Let's go. Um, <laughs> but let's get rolling. Team of the week. Who you got, who you got this week, Pro? I want to hear yours this week. Let's go. Bogues, they got the Lakers. No way. One, three Four straight, right? Since the tr- First of all, it's like three days in the week. So, I mean, you know, you know, you know, whatever I was going to be. There's only two or three games. Jacked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, four and one since the trade. Decent this week. Um, they're not really beating anybody great, but I'll, I'll, hey, look, I'll give it to them. They need all the help they can get. Although I was probably going to go with Sacramento just from, from that 176-175 win. But <laughs> um, I'll give it to the Lakers, man. I mean, look, they, they've won a few games. Three straight. Um, Dallas, Golden Three State, straight. and New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And look, they they do play hot. I'll give it to them. Even before the trade and all that, they do play hot. They're not a, they're they're dysfunctional for sure. But you know, if they play hot, they compete. Um, they've had their ups and downs with injuries, mostly downs. Uh, but um, yeah, I'll give it to them. Shoot, they're they're knocking on the door at ten. They're what are they? Uh, they're a game out of ten right now. So who knows? But, Surging yeah, for that ten seed. I'll tell you what. If I didn't watch the game today, this is probably the one, either the third game that the, uh, the the university allowed me to watch for the Mavs this year. But um, it was cool. It was cool to watch that comeback just to just see a team compete when you're down 27. You know how that is, Bogues. Like you think they're dead to rights. You think they're gonna quit. They didn't quit. They played hard. You know, uh, Reeves played well when he needed to. You know, obviously LeBron and AD did their thing. But uh, yeah, I was very impressed with Vanderbilt's. Vanderbilt's uh he's a guy who's probably gonna he's a free agent he's probably gonna get 80 you know 60 to 80 million 
you know, and um, I think he'll be a really good fit because he he does every he does things that you know, you know, LA player probably you didn't expect him to do. Play hard, do the scrappy things. Doesn't need the ball, and pretty effective. I think it's a pretty easy signing for them, in my opinion. But we'll see. Good one. I got the Charlotte Hornets. Oh, wow. they have. Uh... They've won four straight, I believe, um, as of today. So they're the only – well, they were until the Lakers um, won today, which they, they got lucky winning that game. But you know, them and the Lakers are the only teams in the bottom uh, bottom 10 of the league that have multiple game winning streaks higher than two. So <laughs> – um, and they've been, look, they've been playing well. Like they're, they're somewhat healthy now. Um, they're still – I mean, they're still 19 and – what are they, 19 and uh, 43. But – to, to have a winning streak when your record's that bad and you're obviously you, – I don't think they were strategically tanking, to be honest with you. I think it just tanking found them. But the fact that you're still competing at this point of the season is impressive because um, you could have packed it in. Atlanta, the Spurs, Minnesota, and Miami. So three of those four teams are tough teams. Minnesota, Miami, and Atlanta. You know, All three of those teams should beat Charlotte when you look at it on, on paper. So I give them the nod there. Uh, Mark Williams, rookie from Duke, is emerging as a solid solid center in the league. Um, he's a double-double guy. I think hence the the Plumlee, while they gave up on Plumlee so easily, Plumlee was solid for him, but they were like, you know what, we're going to move the veteran away. We're going to develop our young guys, which is what you should do. And this is one of the few teams that's in the bottom 10, bottom five of each respective conference that is actually fun to watch. If you don't look at their record and you watch them play, they're fun. You know, fun team. Um, ball. They got ball there. They got Haywood's playing okay. Ubre Junior. You know, they got uh, Smith. Is Smith Junior. Um, high flyer dunking on people. So they got they got a lot of different guys that can entertain you. But um, for a nineteen and forty three team, I mean, I'd still I'd still rock up if they were in my home city to watch them. Pro folks are scrappy. They're tough. They're not very good, but they they do they do compete. And I think that. You know, if they do get the Frenchman, you know, they do have like a solid core of players around him. So it's not like, like if he goes to Houston, it's just like young guy after young guy after young guy. And it may not be the best environment for him, right? You go to San Antonio, yeah, they've got they've got decent players, don't get me wrong. But they don't have a player like LaMelo Ball. And I'm not a huge LaMelo Ball fan, but the guy is an all-star, you know, sort of knocking on the door of being an all-star, you know, a consistent all-star. Going forward, you got him, Rogier, Haywood, P.J. Washington. You know, you, you could use some cap money to get, you know, a free agent or two. Not the worst thing in the world, and it's a small market team. He'll be a, it's be a good fit, but they do compete. They do play hard. You know, ball's been hurt most of the year, obviously. P.J. Washington, he's up and down, but, you know, he – you know, he can give you 15 and 5. You said, like, Mark Williams. Like, I'm a huge Plumlee fan. I was a little mystified by the trade, to be honest with you. Um, but, it, like you said before, it allows the young guy to play. And you need to play the young guy. You know, you're not really going anywhere with Plumlee. Uh, you know, you dealt him off. It gives him a chance to compete for a championship. Gives you guys, a, you know, gives them the ability to to develop a young guy to give him minutes. Because, like I always say in the show, it, it doesn't matter about how many drills you put him in and how he does in practice. If you don't get him real NBA minutes for him to to figure it out, make mistakes, build up, you know, compete, you know, and show up every day, knowing that he's going to play some minutes and compete for that. I think you're stunting the growth a little bit. So yeah, I, I do agree. They're uh, they're they're definitely they're definitely a good team for sure, for sure. Yep. Um, uh, 
Fun to watch. What, what's your team of the week, folks? My week team of the? Yeah. It is the Miami Heat. Oh. They continue to lose must-win games. Uh, they're still seventh in the East. They've lost four straight, but they're just, like I said, they continue to lose must-win games. They, they lost to Brooklyn, who they should beat. Milwaukee, okay, wash. Denver, okay, wash. And then Charlotte. They need to go at least two and two in those four. Um, if they're serious about getting into the playoffs and out of that playing realm. They're, they're sliding further and further away from six. New York is balling at six and they've won five straight. But they're, they're now two and a half full games below the cutoff for the plane. They're seventh. Uh, they're only one game ahead of Atlanta and they're only three and a half games to, or sorry, they're uh, four games out of falling out completely. So they need to get a move on. Um, they started Kevin Love at the four, which I found interesting. I don't, I don't think you can play him at the four. I think Miami's going to figure that out very, very quickly. I think he's a backup five at this point in his career just because defensively they're going to pick on him um, and he just can't move his feet like he once could. And I think he's more valuable at the five because you can stretch him off the bench. He can wrestle in there. He's strong enough to wrestle on big fives. They're going to post him up, which there isn't very many of. So they're still figuring things out, but they're, they're just inconsistent. I mean, Jimmy Butler came out and – he said he's sick of losing and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, shit, you're, you're losing games that you shouldn't lose. And there's, there's a lot, a lot of these games they're just letting slip, which which hasn't been, hasn't been the Miami of the last three or four or five years. Like they've, they, they would take care of business, uh, ruthless against the teams they're meant to beat, and they challenge the teams they're not supposed to and steal one or two, and they'd be they'd be top four in, in the East. Whereas this season, you know, it's just a. It just does not look consistent. Everything, you know, just looks clunky for him. I don't know what's going on. If there's issues there in the locker room or, or the rotations or the coaching, I don't know. But it, they might be looking at a point where this this roster's probably, ex, you know, got to its potential the last couple of years and this is it. A la Chicago, similar kind of feel. Now, you don't doubt Miami because of Pat Riley and Spo and they're a classy organization. But, I mean, if they don't show you something the next month, you know, this this might be a roster blow up in off season, pro. Yeah, Bogues. It, it's funny because they've got they've got a they've got a good sort of mix of talent. You know, you've got Jimmy Butler and Adebayo being like sort of the headliners and the you know the top two in the team. You got Tyler Hero, who could sort of play that role of someone who could score twenty five off the bench. Probably legitimately could be starting, but he doesn't. They they definitely need a spark off the bench there. Um, Lowry's hot, cold, you know, and then you've got like that log jam of players. You got like Max Struess, you got Caleb Martin, you got Gabe Vincent, you know, sort of like a lot of the same type of guy. And yeah, it's it's interesting group. Victor Oladipo sort of still can't really find his rhythm yet. You know, he's got some decent, you know, he has some decent showings. Duncan Robinson has been a disaster, you know. Ever since last playoffs, he really just can't find his footing, in my opinion. You just don't really have it. Um, I, I think you do got to explore if, if you can't get something done. You know, if you can't get something done here. Where, where are they sitting at, Bogues? Like seven, eight right now in the East? Well, there's, yeah, there's seven. So they're, yeah, they're, they're far seven. from six because Knicks have gone yeah. on a tear. So they're yeah. two and a half behind six, but they're only four away from 11. So, right. I mean, they get a plane. It's considered a failure of a season for them in my opinion um, and you know the clock's ticking like I said this next month for them if you're a Miami Heat fan it's super valuable to see what, what's going to happen in the future because you fall to a 7, 8, 9, 10 add in straight sets in a plane maybe you get through to the maybe you get through to a, a first round but that's your ceiling 
you got to move on from this roster. It's, it's not working. I mean, what, what, what else can you surround with with their cap and everything the way it's going? They paid Adebayo, they paid Hero, Duncan Robinson sitting there doing nothing. Um, you, you're going to have to eventually move on from it and try to try to blow it up. I think uh, people say, "Oh, it's too early to say that." Well. They're just not that good. Uh, coming from the finals a few seasons ago in the COVID year to now, I think that the ship is sailing. That the peak has been hit, and you might need to move off. So that bell curve, you know, we talk about a bell curve. I think it's gone towards the downward direction. Can you salvage it and get it back up? You're gonna have to do that with some 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 major tweaks to the roster, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I mean, look at the East. You've got. I mean, you know, you can't afford to be that seven, eight, nine team in in a conference. You know, in a conference like the East, because look, Boston's not going anywhere for a while. Milwaukee's not going anywhere for a while. Never know really about Philly, but they've got talent and young talent and established talent. Cleveland's on the rise. Never know about Brooklyn. Like, the, the, you know, they've got they've got some pieces that are decent. They could still compete with you. And you know, the Knicks are right there in that log jam. Then you got yourself, Atlanta. You know, and and then you've got the down teams, and I don't know how much more they could rise up. Maybe Orlando out of that sort of hodgepodge of like Toronto, Washington, Chicago, Indiana, Orlando. So the Magic are probably the only team out of that that could probably rise up. So yeah, you got to do something. It, this is like, you know, there's not really a lot more you can do. You're not going to draft a, you're not going to draft a stud. Um, you're not going to draft a stud. You can't really trade. Can't really trade like great young players off the bench that you don't really use but have value that you could add add another player that's a really good rotation player or a starter. So it, it'll be interesting what they do. Maybe you maybe you you know you package Struess and Martin. Maybe you get something out of that. I don't know, but you know you might have to think about Jimmy Butler because I would think I would think that Adebayo and Hero are your untouchables, right? And then. Well, Hero to a, to a certain degree, and Adebayo definitely a, um, a can't touch guy. And then I would think that they would listen to Butler and they would listen to everybody else, you know, as far as trades and things. But yeah, I agree. If they don't really make a push and it's going to be a playing sort of situation, that you might want to look at, you know, making changes to the roster. Look, Pat Riley's done it countless times in countless different teams that he was a, a part of. You know, Lakers, Knicks. You, you, you ever read the history of his, you know, his dynasty with with the Lakers or, or good runs with the with, you know, New York or even the Heat. He was always able to get young pieces together. You know, sort of put you know put trade you know pick up trades, pick up free agents and things like that. I don't think they have the cap room to to pick up a, a sort of a headliner with cap room or or anything like that unless they use their mid level exception. Um, so they're going to probably have to do it with, you know, trading somebody like, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler or even Hero and see what they can do. I think Kyle Lowry sort of on his last legs as far as having true value to get anything back for. So you're not really going to get much there. So it'll be interesting. You're not have to deal. You probably have to deal, you know, a first round pick or multiple first round picks with Duncan Robinson to get him off your books. So it's uh, it'll be an interesting, you know. Five to seven months, definitely with uh, with Miami. I think Brooklyn have every potential to fall out of the six as well. I, I just I don't have enough offensively, in my opinion. I think they're solid defensively. They've looked real clunky lately. Um, have been playing well, lost two straight, but uh, I think they're every potential for them to fall. So there is a spot to to gain. Um, who's going to take it in that in that top six? Um, you'd think it'd be Miami, but man, the way they're playing is not great. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they finish the season. Who you got? 
We got Brooklyn actually. I got Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. I, got Brooklyn. I, I was actually going to go with Miami, and then you know, halfway through our conversation, I'm looking and and you know, I was looking up, and I was like, you know what, two straight, you know, and four of their last they, five, I believe. They, yeah, yeah, four they, of their last were, five. So, you know, six of their last nine. They, they, it's, it's like win, win, loss, 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 win, loss, 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 win, loss, loss. <laughs> like so, they're they're yeah. not doing well. No, and I know. Look, I know the trade and all that. They what they lost, but still, still, you've got good players. You know, Dimwitty, Bridges, you know, Claxton, O'Neill, Dorian Finney-Smith, Curry, Harris. You got like a solid. You got a solid group there. You know, and you should be able to beat teams that you know the teams that they lost to, and you know, losing two straight. I mean, you know, the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, they're they're a mess right now. You know, change of coaches and. And things like that, and they're not playing well and consistent. You still have enough veteran, good, solid veteran players with a mix of young guys that can go. Oh, Royce O'Neal to that list as well. Like you should be able to, you should be able to to beat teams, and especially guys like the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, come on, you know. And I just think they're inconsistent right now. They got to find their footing. Look, they've got, you know, they've got spacing. You know, they got scoring. They got guys. Guys who could score, guys who could defend, you could switch. You know, you get shooting off the bench with Harrison Curry. You, you have you have talent, but you just got to find you got to find your consistency now. You got to find your legs and go forward. Look, is this a team that's any good? No, not not great, but you still could compete. You still should be able to beat those mid level and lower teams. And you know, teams ahead of you, we always talk about that. That's that's a tough one. But you got to beat teams sort of on your same level or below. You got to take care of that. And I, I feel as though, right, you know, I know they're new with each other, you know, after the trade and things. But they should be, they should have a better showing for, for sure with this. And they lost to Chicago by over forty the other night, which is inexcusable. Chicago aren't very good, um, so that's a prime example. This could be the fatigue of the trade, all that kind of stuff, and they could just let the season implode. So let's hope uh, all goes well for them and they can make And Ben Simmons out of the lineup again, pro. Um, I'm not sure what the injury is because he played before All-Star break and has come back from All-Star break with with the same, I assume the same knee injury. So he's, he's been out as well. Uh, not that he's in the yeah, rotation fully, but... It's on ESPN.com, bruised ego. So he's <laughs> I was waiting for it. Ego. Yeah. I shouldn't have led you into that. I was waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, all right, moving on to some news. The NBA All-Star Game Pro ratings. This is the wording they use now. Instead of giving you how easily, it says ratings easily the lowest ever. How shocked are you, Pro? Seriously, I'm, I'm just absolutely shocked that no one tuned into that train wreck of a, of a weekend. All-Star Saturday night and Rising Stars also down to new lows. So by All-Star uh, ratings, the first ones were the actual All-Star Game. All-Star Saturday night and Rising Stats also down to all new lows. Pro, the only one that increased on last season viewership numbers was a celebrity game. Nice. <laughs> so at least it went from 20 to 30, apparently, they said. Um, but, I mean, the writing's on the wall for it, man. It, it, needs, to be, it needs to be fixed. Uh, some people threw out some good ideas. I like this one, NBA versus the world. Do you like that, Pro? You know, I sort of did. I sort of did, but um, I think that's a better option. You know, look, the history of the East and West is awesome and everything like that, but the game has been terrible for over a decade now and, and more than that. But um, yeah, I think it will add some spunk to it for the year for a year or two, but I don't think that – I think it will fall right back into line 
Um, I think it'll fall right back in the line after a couple years, to be honest with you. I, I just don't. I think the same type of issues are going to be facing folks. I think you're going to be facing guys who don't want to get hurt, guys that want to take it easy, just want to turn it into like a, a dunk fest and and one mixtape tour. Actually, you know what? That that's that's too low of a blow to the N one mixtape tour compared to the NBA All Star game. <laughs> but yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that, folks? Because I did hear. I, I think the world that. thing makes sense. NBA versus the world because I think there'll be a little bit of kind of passion you know there'll be a little bit of like oh man we can't lose to those those internationals and there already is that international versus american rivalry within just the mvp voting right like people are oh you know all these international guys you know blah 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 internationals are taking over the league so i know the americans don't like hearing that and i know the internationals don't like hearing soft you know don't play defense so maybe you lead that game into those comment plant some comments you know with some ai technology about Hey, uh, Jason Tatum said you <laughs> international guys are bums and then you have some international players say Americans just a selfish one-on-one guys, you, you know, put something out, light a little nice little fire out there and then let it let the chips fall where they may. They got to do something to save it because it's a shit show. And, and we spoke about money last last episode. I mean, I don't know. Some of these guys just make too much money to care for another three, four million as, as harsh as that is for some people to listen to. It's reality. So I, I don't know how you fix it. I, I don't know. Um, Coming from Australia, I know in rugby league, Australian rules football, they stopped doing it because of injuries. Uh, they stopped doing – they called it the state of origin. So they have this thing here, Pro, where with Australian rules football, you play you play for your state that you were born in and it's kind of an all-star team from that state, right? And you play against other states and it's, it used to be really passionate and blah, blah, blah. NRL still do it, which is rugby league. And it's that get that state of origin series is a three-game series in the middle of their season. That is draws more eyeballs and has more passion than the actual league final. Um, it's insane. They've kept it going because it, bring, it brought in, brings in so much revenue and it's so so great for the sport. But the risk is there's a lot of guys that you know get concussed and break something and then they don't have it for their club, but they still have somehow injected so much money. They get a massive bonus to playing it. With the NBA, you can't really go that route because it's different different amounts of money, man. So I, I don't know. I, I think try it. I think try. I know they've tried it with the rookie game, but no one gives, gives a shit about the rookie game. Let's be honest. Let's try it with that. Let's do a team of international guys and a team of uh, of American guys for a couple of seasons, and then ramp it up and have the media, whoever loses the first season, have them smash them in the media and say, "See, that's why international players aren't better. They shouldn't even be in MVP voting. They didn't win, or vice versa." Right. Build up a bit of animosity there and, and see where it goes. They got to try something, man. And Adam Silver will be doing something to try and fix this because those those ratings were the worst of all time, like worst ever. I mean, that's that's pretty glaring, pro. Yeah, I think they need to to bring the CIA in to, to do a smear campaign against the international players and 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 just sort of do something where it's gonna. I just don't think that they care like that. No, no offense to look, no offense to NBA players, but those guys are fixated on either one or two things. Mostly stats and getting their money, which, hey, look, that's the business of the game. And the second thing is to get get geared up for the playoffs, for the teams who actually have a chance to sort of progress in that, on that front. And I just don't think an all-star game is important to them. It's, you know, you know, back in the day, it's different. Look, the players are, are different now, and it, it, we talk about it all the time. And back then, you, you watch those games at competitive from the 80s and 90s and and guys going at each other, yeah, that's great. But again, like that could happen and make people happy. But what if a guy does get hurt? And now we're and now we're gonna you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna second guess well, why you know 
why why, why are we having this game why is it going exactly, ahead they're getting hurt and <laughs> my favorite team and and that's just how the world works so i just think you gotta I, look I, I think the world you trying something different is fine i don't think a mid-season tournament unless you're giving these guys 20 million a piece you know or something stupid like that that's the only way like and look this thing is for a championship that's it like that's why every like everyone's trying to compare who's better than this player, this player, that player. They're playing for a championship. All star game. They don't care. They're trying to get look. Luca's trying to get to Mexico. These guys are trying to get wherever, wherever. I don't blame them. It's a all star break. Whatever. It's just that whole you know East is going to beat the West. You can't just say well if the East wins we'll give them home court advantage in the playoffs. 90% of those teams have no chance. Like, so they don't care. They're not going to play any harder to give the Boston Celtics, a, you know, or exactly. the Milwaukee Bucks. So they don't care. And I get it. Why would you care? So, yeah, East versus the West, fine. You know, vowels versus consonants, I don't know what you do. Like, I don't think there's a way you're going to make this thing any better. I, I Look, this whole weekend's for the fans to get eyeballs on it. So I think you should just maximize the contests and celebrity games and things like that. They stink. It is what it is. For basketball purists, they're going to hate it. But you know what? It's all about you know rolling out new things. No one cares about the All-Star game anymore. It's evident by the ratings. So like I said, gear up the three-point, the NBA dunk contest. Three million a guy. Doesn't matter. Like prize money doesn't matter. Three million to show up. Get great players to 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 do that. You're like eyeballs, content. It'll be out the uh, you know it'll it'll be out, out of this world. Put an NBA put an NBA All Star team. You know, put NBA All Stars with the celebrities. Who knows? I don't care. Horse contest. Luca versus you know Steph Curry. Things like that. Like be creative with that. And yeah, it's not going to be competitive. It's going to be a shit show. But there will be eyeballs on it. People will be happy with that. That game is such an eyesore. Like, if you just... I, I mean, the dunk contest is a joke, too. But, like, hey, at least people are into it a little bit, right? So if you put all your money into All-Star Friday, All-Star Saturday, you, you X the game out. Like, I think you could still salvage the weekend because, look, people will still show up. You get stars there somehow. Meet and greets. You know, autograph signing sessions, you know, breakout sessions, whatever, three-point contest, dunk contest, you know, charity game, horse contest, you know, whatever, skills competition, except that team with Jabari Smith on it. That team should be banned from from for a lifetime. They, they should never come back. But do I do it like that? Because then people will show up, they'll be, he'll be happy, and you don't have to put them through 48 minutes of hell with that all-star game. What, what do you think, Bogues? Like, what you just you're all for the the world thing. That's, I mean, just for the game itself, I'd try yeah. that. Uh, but I'm not going to try anything. But I, I think the weekend is it should be about the weekend and the fans. So it's about seeing the stars in person, not necessarily playing. Seeing them in the weekend, maybe have it like a tech summit where it's three or four days yeah. of different speaking gigs for different guys, and you get it a pass, yeah. and then they're rolling different guys on stage. I would do a, I'd love to see a one-on-one King of the Ring type thing where I don't think injuries are that will be that prevalent in one-on-one if it's like a three dribble max or something. Do something like that. Horse for sure I'd introduce. That's fun. Um dunk contest stays, just tweak it a little bit with some more money. Three-point contest stays. 
I don't really care about the celeb game and all that, but I get why they do it because it brings eyeballs and brings, you know, celebs and all that. Just get rid of the All-Star game then. If you're not going to, you know, if you're not going to try to tweak it and play hard, just get rid of it. Make it an event where people can still go and see Steph Curry in the flesh or, you know, uh, Kevin Durant or LeBron James. Totally get it. Make it that kind of weekend where where the basketball is probably not as important. It's all the other 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 events and I think a lot of fans will still go to that, right? You go go to maybe you do a three on three. I don't know, um, but they need to change it. It's, it's just it feels like, like I said, if you went to that, even as a non basketball fan, if you went to that All Star game, main game, uh, All Star Sunday, you'd be like, man, you, you, you'd leave feeling kind of dirty, man. Like, man, did I just get sold a lemon? Like, <laughs> that's yeah, that's what I felt watching it as a purist, right? So I, I'd imagine some people. Okay, if you're going there simply to, to cast your eyes on. You know, Beyonce sitting courtside and seeing, you know, LeBron do a windmill, then you got your money's worth. But I know there's a lot of casual fans that actually want to still see good basketball, right? And even even to the casual fan, they would realize that these guys aren't playing hard. Like this is this is crazy. No one gives a shit. So Michael Malone's comments were everything. He was the head coach of the West and said this is the worst basketball, worst basketball game I've ever been involved in in my life. (laughs) That's the coach. And it's right, you know, and Adam Silver's got something to fix. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, they've got enough brains in their in their in their corporate um, rooms, boardrooms that, that that they'll try and fix this. It's just a matter of how they're going to do it. So we'll we'll watch that space. But I think everyone everyone's pretty. This is one of the first times uh, I've seen, at least online, that basketball basketball fans online on Twitter, um, on ESPN, are all in agreement. Pro, it's probably the first time in history where everyone's like, no, it's fucking it's a shit show. Let's change it. So it's not split 50-50. It's not split eighty twenty. Like basketball fans don't like it, so they're going to have to fix it. All right, uh, Jock Vaughn has agreed to a multi-year contract with the Brooklyn Nets, right, Decision Pro? Yes, yes, for sure. Um, I, I think when you when you have the guy take over and you know they're doing semi well, and then you trade everything away from them, and you sort of go through this re sort of rebuild phase, I think you reward the guy, and he's done well there. Look, he's done well. He's a good assistant. He's a good head coach. Guys have responded to him. You get this young team. Um, I think he's good with the players. I think it's. I think it's good. I think it shows good faith in the organization to say, "Hey, look, this isn't exactly what you signed up for." Even though you didn't really have much of a choice, you got promoted as a head coach. But look, we did this. We're gonna. We'll go forward with you. We like the way you're doing it. Um, not enough teams do it this way. I, I do look. I've been. You know, I've been pretty negative sometimes about what Brooklyn has done. I think this was a, a no-brainer. I, I, I do like the decision. What do you think, both? Yeah, fine. I think he's been, he's better than his first time around coaching, that's for sure. Yes. Seems like he's learned from it. Um, and they're in a rebuild, so let's not be honest there. I know they're fifth in the in the, in the East right now. They're not going to be there at season's end is my bet. Uh, they're, they're somewhat in a rebuild. The, the Ben Simmons conundrum. They've got some young youth and talent. They'll probably have some picks as well in this year's draft. And I think they're back They're back to where they were pre, pre the big three, in my opinion. They're pretty close. They've got a lot of picks in the future. Got some okay young talent that'll keep him competitive, and now it's a matter of will they sell their soul to the devil if it comes knocking again, pro. So, but uh, I like the hiring. All right, Nate McMillan, the worst kept secret, finally been fired. Um, probably, I think they knew they were going to do this months ago. They only just did it now. Uh, Quinn Snyder just agreed to a five-year deal as we went live. Uh, other rumors were Ime Odoka was in the running, but um, they probably stayed away for that from that for obvious reasons. But a good signing, uh, a very well. Uh, liked coach uh, knows what he's doing. Very re- well respected, and I think you know he's he's got a he's got a squad that can definitely improve defensively. I think they will get better defensively. There's no doubt in my mind because that's what he does. Uh, he's very very astute with that, 
and they already have the offensive power, uh, firepower. So this could be, you know, something that, that revamps Atlanta. And, and this is the final straw for Trey Young, in my opinion. This is your coach, <laughs> buddy. Five year deal. Like I like that they did that. I like that Atlanta said, "All right, you don't want Nate. This is what third coach in in four years or whatever it is. No worries. Cool. Uh, Quinn Snyder signing him five years. This is your coach. Five years." Don't like it? Sorry, man. Five years. What, what do you yeah. think? I, I think it's a, a good hire. The, the pro, the only thing that I was questioning, you know, when they fired Nate and they, you know, and they put out a list of, of coaches, automatically anybody with any type of a past, a good past, I said, why would you ever take this job? <clears throat> why would you ever take the job? You know, Trey Young's run through two coaches. He, he easily could run through another one. Um, I just don't, I think he's going to be one of those guys, you know, sort of Kyrie-ish, right? Where it's just got to gotta be his way. And I, I get it. You're a really good NBA player. Not a great player, but a really good one. And it's just going to be that. And if you're an established coach, look, Snyder, you know, could have, you know, Quinn could have taken, he would have, you know, taken over in San Antonio when Pop, you know, Pop ret- retired finally. Or some other good job, like he's in heavy demand. He's probably the number one guy that people, number one or number two guy, um, that somebody would think of when you know filling a position in the off season. So why would you take this and have to deal with that Trey Young deal? Look, Trey Young's not, uh, he's not Lucifer for God's sakes, but he's been tough to deal with. And why go through that? And look, Quinn's been around the block for a while. He's dealt with a lot of tough type players and he's been through it, but why subject yourself to it? And that was interesting to me that he took the job that now he's had a history in the organization. I believe he worked there as an assistant before, um, you know, early in his NBA career. But again, I, I, it puzzled me a little bit dealing with the Trey young deal. Look, they got a nice little young team. They got Trey and DeJounte Murray. I really like Deandre Hunter. Not a huge John Collins fan, but he's okay. Like to me, if I'm them, I'm dealing Young and Collins. I'm just, you know keeping Capella, keep Murray, keep Hunter, and then just sort of rebuild it through there. But um, I was I was a little surprised that that Snyder took the job that that early. Folks dealing with that Trey Young deal. Look, we neither one of us has worked for Atlanta. We don't know Trey Young like that. We we only know what we hear and what we read. Um, but too many people have told me things and you just sort of read the tea leaves with it. And it's sort of like, he's just one of those guys that sort of to himself introverted, you know, has to be his way or he's a little bit tough to deal with. Look, not that Nate McMillan wasn't a little bit tough to deal with in times, I'm sure, but you know, look, two coaches, you heard some things about college, how hard it was to deal with them. You see body language things. You see some of the deals. But look, you, the guy's averaging 27 and 10. It's not exactly like you're getting the third string point guard here. The guy's really good. So that, that's what I think. I think it's a great hire for Atlanta. I just didn't understand why he committed so early. Like I, I'm sure they would have waited for him a little bit to the offseason. Could have felt out a couple of places to see what, what the deal was. But yeah, I was a little shocked actually, that he took it because he's going to start coaching soon, like this year. So, so he's sitting sideline at Tuesday's game, they said. He'll be, he'll be, or he might even coach, uh, but he might, yeah, he's, he's going to be involved from ASAP. But I, I guess the reason why he took the job, pro, was all the zeros on that contract. I assume he's, it hasn't been reported what he's getting yet. Just yeah. says five year deal, but I assume it's seven, eight, nine million a year, probably, yeah, in I'm that guessing, ballpark. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. 
And Atlanta's, look, Atlanta, the downtown, not a great place to live, but Atlanta's got some beautiful suburbs 10, 15 minutes outside yeah. the city. So um, not, a, not a bad place to live, decent climate, and an underdog team that no one's thinking is going to do shit. So I think it, it lines up well for his mentality and the way he coaches. So um, Atlanta's got that done, which is good, bit of stability. Uh, that Clips versus SAG game was insane. Uh for those who haven't seen it, 176 to 175. It was a double overtime game, but pro, don't let double overtime fool you. This game was 153 apiece in regulation. Insane. Uh, 40 point quarters pretty much every quarter. Um, you know, some big names in there, Monk with the 40 ball and, you know, just a, not a whole lot of defense, uh, not a whole lot of commitment to getting a stop. It just, it just flowed into an open gym type game and, I think people were like, what the hell is going on here? But uh, it almost eclipsed the – was it Denver? And who was, who was the record? Denver and it Detroit, was Denver was it? Denver and Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. Back in the day, yeah, in the early 90s, yeah. I think. Or, yeah, early 90s. Yeah, that, I think that was like Alex English type steel. Yeah, and that was sure. 100, in the 180s, I think. But they they almost eclipsed that, but they they just didn't get there. But um, a pretty a pretty high-scoring game, that one. Well, it's, 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 I think it's just sort of what the league wants. No offense. I mean, that's – I'm sorry. No defense. Not, 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 <laughs> not, no offense. No defense. But like, that's just what they want. They want scoring, 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 scoring. Fans love it. Sponsors love it. Uh, purists don't love it, but who cares about purists anyway? Um, you know, I think it's just a tough game to watch when it's just all that scoring and no one. Look, I don't, I, I don't think that the game should be in the 80s like in the 80s, right? You know, I don't think it should be that or grinded out, getting killed, no calls. But I think there needs to be some type of look, guys. You know, let's, let's, let's try to make a stop. Let's try to work a little bit on D, try to get an effort in, you know. But when you give it up 176, even like you said, double overtime was still really high. It, it's an interesting deal. So, uh yeah, that's. I did see Malik Monk had like forty five, crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, insane. Edge, Some high scoring games in that one. Uh, high scoring yeah. plays in that one, but uh, not a whole lot of defense. All right, the JJ Riddick comments have caused a kerfuffle in the NBA. He's claimed that Larry Bird's era of basketball was not more physical than today's. Dominic Wilkins was one of the the big names that fired back, uh, amongst others, and basically said Riddick don't know what the hell he is talking about. I'm very disappointed he would say something so stupid. Uh, I have to agree. I, I think it's a crazy claim by JJ Redding. We just spoke about a scoreline that was 176 to 175. He, can, he can't be serious. I mean, I know he's, he's been pretty anti-Larry Bird with, with the, the way he goes about it, which is his opinion. He's not a huge fan. But to say, I mean, that, that era of the 70s, or probably the 80s more than the 70s, the 80s and the early 90s and mid-90s, man, it was... They had to tweak the rules because of it. <laughs> like they had to, they had to change the way the game was officiated because of that era. There was a ten-year period where it was like you're getting clotheslined, you're getting, you know, two guys jumping on top of you. Like if you want a fast break with anyone, they're going to foul you before they even let you get the ball up. Like it was brutal. And I came in, so the start mid two thousands was still pretty physical. Ben Wallace, Shaq, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett. So I felt a bit of that. And I definitely noticed towards the end of my career, it was more a track meet than it was a, a weight room type game, right? Um, so I have no idea why he's trying to claim that. If he's claiming the athletes are bigger, faster, stronger these days, maybe different argument. But to say today's basketball is more physical, I think JJ Reddick's, you know, he's been in that suit and smoked too much reefer for the last couple of months, man, because 
Those 80s and 90s were no joke. I, Bogues, I think the original argument, and I could be wrong, because he's been, look, the koozie stuff, you know, he's been, look, he's he's anti, he's anti, like, 80s, 70s, 60s. He's anti that. He's pro-number, pro-analytic, pro, you know, scoring, pro anybody who's played in this era. Look, I think that's that's sort of the natural thing, right? Everybody forgets the generation before, two generations before. Everyone thinks that, like, this, their era, wherever they're sitting in that space at that time is the best. This player is the best. This player is the best. And that's okay. That's, that's, their, that's their deal. I think they were talking about shooting. I think they were talking about um, Curry versus Bird in shooting that like Curry was a better shooter. Bird didn't have to deal with the physicality that Curry had to deal with in the playoffs. Marcus Smart grabbing him, you know, like pinning him his hit to his hip or side or whatever. And that's just mm-hmm. not the case. It's just not I mean, the stuff that, that that Bird had to deal with. And look, you know, even though JJ's a little older, he's never really probably I mean he probably grew up at the tail end of Larry Bird. Look, I, I lived a hundred yards from Larry Bird. I lived a hundred yards from the Boston Garden. You know, I grew up with that. I watched that. You know, forty-seven. You know, look, that, that was just physical basketball. The guys were, you know, you could go on YouTube, of course, and watch. You know, sometimes that they'll run a pin down and, and score or what have you. And I think he was just saying that Curry is just like I think one of the sportscasters was saying that. Um, Larry Bird was a better shooter than Curry, and I think that he rolled his eyes to it, and then he went on this spiel. I think. I, I could be mistaken on that one. But, look, and, then, and again, it's like the koozie line, and we talked about that. The three-point shot, most of Larry Bird's career was irrelevant. It was irrelevant. It came in in 79. Bird came in in 79. Right, it wasn't a big thing. It's funny, Bogues. I went and I did a study for like fifteen years of three uh, three point shooting in the NBA. Right, and look, you can make the argument, no doubt, number wise, that Curry is a much better shooter than Larry Bird. You could because just the numbers. They didn't take threes like that before. Yeah, and the degree look, of like, difficulty Steph takes off the dribble, left, right, step backs for sure. No yeah. doubt. Now, yeah, and and I'll say that no, without question. Look from. Somebody who worked with one of the best players of all time and competitors of all time and Kobe, and you compare that to Larry Bird, guys like Kobe, Bird, um, Jordan, those guys, if they really think that a shot or something is really important for the betterment of winning in their career, they were going to develop it. I think that with the shot coming in in 79, that it wasn't a shot that was really it was like a circus shot and it was it was unstable in the amount of like makes and takes that some of the leaders took i took the averages of the top 10 and it was funny bogues like it it went up it went down it really didn't solidify itself until about 1986 where guys really started taking them a little bit the uptake of it, the first year of it, teams took an average of three threes a game. But with Bird, like if he felt as though that was an important shot to him, he would have developed it. He would have shot it a lot more. But look, back then, coaching teams across the league, 
didn't think it was an important shot. They thought it was it was adopted from the ABA. They thought it was something that, that probably could be added. But it took a while before teams finally got it and progressed and said, wait a minute, yeah, this three-point shot could really help offenses open up the floor and all that. It just didn't. But Larry Bird, to me, is by far the best the best clutch player that I've ever seen. I'll, I'll take him over anybody. Now, look, you know, that's that's my that's my deal. I, if if I needed a player, and I think that might have been the argument, if you you had a one guy to take a three. And again, I didn't listen to that whole thing. I just listened to his spiel. But to me, I don't care. In their primes, Larry Bird's taking that three and not Steph. And Steph is an unbelievable three point shooter. But Larry Bird had ice water in his veins. We've all seen the story, heard the stories, seen it, trash talk. But look, look up Larry Bird clutch shots and some of the shots that he had to make in you know big time situations, playoff games, regular season. But back to the original thought, like to say that he didn't have to deal with physicality, you got to go back and watch actual games and not YouTube. at the four. Like, he was at the four as well for the most part. Yeah, like th- he's played a bit of three, but but you know um, they, uh, they had Mikhail and Parrish, and they'd move him to the four at times, but. Threes, fours, and fives of that era were physical as fuck. You're talking Dennis Rodman. You're talking a little bit later. Scotty Pippen came in, obviously. Uh, you know, Kurt Rambis mixed him in there. You know, James Worthy. Like, there was some physical guys. Charles Barkley. Like, it wasn't, you know, that's why. Like, I mean, Steph's playing on the perimeter. Yeah, of course, players today are holding and grabbing and clawing him. And, I mean, Steph come, came to, after games, he'd come out, take his shirt off, and have scratches all over him because guys are, that's, you know, guys are trying to stop him running off cross screens and pin downs and all the movement. But, uh, you know, as a player who played in today's era and the two thousands, uh, you know that 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 era in the eighties was crazy. Like you, you're going up for an open dunk and wondering if some guy's going to take your head off and concuss you for fucking six weeks. You know, like that was, yeah. and it was it was a regular foul. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just a foul. Two free throws, man. Like I can't I can't see. I'm concussed. I will get subbed out and get someone else to shoot him. Whereas they had to change those rules for obvious reasons. So back then it was it was ruthless, and yeah, I really can't think you can compare the two eras as far as physicality goes. And you can't. And and to disrespect Larry Bird, look, Larry Bird might have been one of the best winners that I've ever seen in the sense, Bogues. Right? If you look at it, look, Curry, Jordan, Kobe, all those guys really couldn't. Nobody really wins by themselves. Nobody just like it's like like when they say players make player other players better and they could do it by themselves. Nobody does it by themselves. Everybody needs a second and third best player. Larry Bird, look it up. His rookie year before he got there, they won 29 games. His rookie year in he was clearly the best player from day 1. 30 a plus 32 in the win column from 29 to 61. I mean, with the same roster, it was a trash roster, and he took it from 29 to 61. Jordan couldn't do that. Curry couldn't do that for five or six years. You know, Jordan couldn't do that for like five or six years where he could really finally, you know, put put his team on his shoulders and do it almost by, not by himself, but almost, you know, he was the best player. He did that right away. And like, he was hard-nosed, man. It's... And that guy just was his 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 makeup was just ridiculous. And look, I don't think he's the best player of all time or anything like that. He might be the best competitor of all time. Like he think about Brian Scalabrini body, right? Athletic ability, but just able to make any type of shot 
the best, one of the best top two or three passers of all time and just figure it out against great athletes that they put anybody on them. They put, they put one guy, two guys. It didn't matter. The guy was just ridiculous, ridiculous type player, the way he could finish games and, and make shots. I think that the same thing I think with Jordan. If Jordan really thought the three-point shot was as important as, as, Steph, as Steph took it, and he would have developed the shot. Would he be as good as Steph Curry? No. But his three-point shooting would have been a different tale. I always thought that too. When I look back at Larry Bird's career and everyone said, well, Bird was a great shooter, great shooter. I'm like, look at his three-point numbers. Like there were years there where he only took like, you know, there were, there were years where he only took like 50 for the season. Like in 81, 82, he was 11 for 52. So like he didn't really think it was important. Now, when it came to like 86, 87, the average of the top 10 makes were 80, and he's, he, he made 90. The average to top 10 average of takes in the league that year, 214.7, he took 225. So when he figured out that it was an important shot, that he was going to put his hat in the ring, he developed it, and he shot around 40%, and he was a good shooter. But if he thought that that would have made them more relevant and win two more championships in the 80s, you would have seen his numbers balloon up. But it was a circus shot. Coaches always wanted you to play through the post. They wanted you to play and, and take you know, take closer shots. You probably grew up with the two bogues where coaches were saying, look, we got to get the ball inside. We got to go to the basket. Why are you taking 20-footers? You got to go, you know, go inside. Yeah, that's just the mentality of the game. And I think when – that's why I never really make distinctions with errors in basketball because – you got to factor in like the way the game was played, coached, and established versus what the, what it is now. And you know, yeah, I, th- I think he was way off base. Look, everybody's entitled to their opinion. So I hate comparing errors, bro, because it's like there's a lot of lot of different lot of different yeah. things. Um, even the shoes they wore back then, and the technology we have today, diets, you know, weight facilities, recovery. Like it's there's too much. There's too much that can that can swing it and. You know, like I've said from day dot, man, like players in 20 years are going to be infinitely better than I was, infinitely better than players are today for the most part, right? Uh, the, the the majority, right? You're still going to be outliers. Like, does someone repeat what Steph done? Who knows? Or, or LeBron done? I don't think so, but who knows? But it's hard to compare. Your era competes with what they've got. So you can't disrespect it. You can say, oh, they probably couldn't. Yeah. You know, if you take a player from back in the day and put them in today's game, could they play and compete? Who knows? Based on what they did back then, no. But to your point, if they worked on what was important today with that same work ethic they had, yeah, maybe. So it's a, it's just an endless argument. But I, I didn't like him. Uh, for a guy that's supposed to be real smart analytically and real basketball savant IQ, to say that era when it's on black and white and film and color and, you know, you can get VHS tapes probably, DVDs it's on YouTube. Like, go, yeah. go watch a video, man. They'll get in the way with some MMA shit on, on the basketball court for the most part. <laughs> so you can't yeah. you can't argue with that. All right, another one bites the dust with this uh, fraud allegation. Sebastian Telfer, uh, he frauded 358K from the NBA Health Fund. Uh, he's pleaded guilty. Now, this, now, he was sentenced to three and a half years for possession of a, of a legal firearm and a bulletproof vest. Back in, I think, 18 or 19. You read that so, story. Did you read that story back then? What happened to him? No, what, not what happened to him, but what he was going to do. He he literally had like ammunition all over the place. I don't know how he didn't get sent to like 40 years in prison with what he had on him. Like, I don't know what the deal was, but he had like multiple guns, multiple mm. semi-automatic. Bulletproof vest. Yeah, he was ready for war. Yeah. Maybe he was going to Iraq. 
Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, he, he that's going to be taken into account. I assume he'd be on probation still of some sort. Um, I wonder if he, if this fraud, hap- I wonder when it happened. Um, probably happened after he got out of jail. So he'll be on probation, I assume, on bail, you know, on some sort of bail or, or good behavior that he'll probably get a sentence out of this as well. If, if the other guy's got a sentence of 18 months and two years respectively, he's in some trouble. So another one bites the dust there. We don't have to get into that. And Myers Leonard, welcome back to the NBA. A 10-day deal with Milwaukee Pro after using an anti-Semitic slur on a streaming video game. He was basically blackboard from the league for a good part of two years. Um, I'm not condoning what he said. You know, it is what it is. But two years, pro, when when you have guys that, you know, there's there's guys in the league that domestic violence charges pled guilty and playing within six months. Um, pretty harsh, in my opinion. You know, we, we all make mistakes. He's apologized for it. He's met with rabbis. He's tried to do his, all, all the, the good PR stuff that he has to do to get back in the league. But to be out of the league for two years, he's talented enough to be a, a good bench role player, in my opinion. I'm glad Milwaukee's given him a shot. And hopefully, you know, he's, he's a mini Brook Lopez, in my opinion. Uh, so you got the you got the veteran Brook Lopez, and now you got the younger version of Brook Lopez. And we should see how that all works out in Milwaukee. Yeah, Bogues, he's a good kid. You know, he he's dumb for what he said, for sure. But he's a good kid. He didn't, he didn't you could tell he, he didn't mean anything by it. He, you know, he just he's, he's being a fucking moron and, and and saying what he said. And look, he deserved, you know, he deserved a little bit of it. He deserved, you know, I would have suspended him for the year. Uh, to me, I, there's no I don't care how good of a player you are. Unfortunately, he's not good enough to say something like that. And like if you're good enough, unfortunately, in that league, you can almost kill somebody, which has happened where and then people want to take you back if you're good enough. He wasn't good enough. He's a good player, but not one of those type guys. If he was different, if he was a top 50 player, top 100 player, top 150 player, they'd, they'd find a reason why he was a good kid and it wasn't it wasn't his fault. But he wasn't good enough and he had to pay the price for it, unfortunately. A lot of, a, a lot of this stuff doesn't make any sense. But two years, no, for sure not. I would have definitely probably most likely suspended him for the year. Um, but just because you you couldn't in today's world you can't you couldn't like take them a, a month a month later two weeks later whatever but for two years uh, come on now I mean you know, you're taking money out of the guy's pocket he didn't kill anybody he didn't he didn't go on any hate rages he didn't beat people up because of their religious backgrounds he said something that was completely fucking idiotic um, I think you're able you know. I think everybody should pay a little penance for that. I think somebody, you know, you know like like what he did. He, he he sought out help. He sought rabbis. He went and did his community service. Yeah, I think you should do that for the. He should have done that the rest of the season, and then that following July, if he's good enough, pick him up. But yeah, two years a whole little, season though, pro even the whole season I think would be harsh because if you start, if you want to use the same rule for everybody based on racial rhetoric, there'll be a lot of suspended players in the NBA. Sure. Right with with the usage yeah. of certain words and, and whatnot, sure. so there is a double standard there, and uh, you know he, he obviously has felt a big wrath and a heavy penalty, heavier than it, than it should have been, because there's a lot of guys that say inappropriate things in the heat of the moment, no and you know I think I think a fine and maybe a few game suspension would have been warranted, but sure. you know the whole season and, and you know then going into two seasons is yeah. pretty pretty tough. The primary his career really, like he's towards the the, mid, the tail end, but still in his prime, early thirties, late twenties, early thirties, and 
that's just the way it goes, I guess. Uh, as we speak, Dan Lillard has 50, by the way, with uh, 10 minutes left, Portland versus Houston. So yeah. I assume he might, he has every chance, and it's a close game to its eight point game. So he's going to stay in the lineup. He could potentially go for another 60 ball, which is interesting. All right, Aussie Watch, before we get to that, Aussie Watch is brought to you by Banter. Dabble the social betting experience. We can jump into the Banter channels, kind of like a chat chat group, uh, connect with the Dabble community and ride a bet together. It's actually pretty cool. You get in there and, and, and see what people have bet and comment on it, whether it was a, a shitty bet or a good bet and, and give feedback. Follow copy bets and jump into Banter. Go on, download the app and have a dabble, dabble socially and gamble responsibly. So our Aussie watch this week, it's pretty bare, only a few games. Some teams had three, some two, and we've got injuries. Ben Simmons injured over All-Star break. He's out. Dyson Daniels, his first action in over a month, uh, two assists in four minutes um, at New York. So good to see him back on the floor and he'll have to find his legs. Daly, two minutes of garbage time, so nothing to note. Paddy back in the DMP bandwagon. He has not played a minute since February the 11th. And it does not look like he's going to play because they got you know blown out in Chicago and he still didn't get in the game. So maybe an injury there as well, but he's, he's out of the lineup. Jock, a solid week, uh, two games, six points per game, seven rebounds, one assist, probably his most productive week in a number of weeks. And because he's finally got some minutes, Josh Giddy, 14.3 points, 7.3 rebounds, 4.3 assists, and one steal per game. Matisse Thibel is playing as we speak. Uh, he currently has eight points, two rebounds, two assists, and two steals. Um, he's playing better in Portland, as we said. He's, he's found a nice rotation there. Uh, and then a couple of nights ago in Sacramento, he had five points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals. So he's getting his defensive numbers up, knocking down shots when he needs to, but nothing nothing too crazy. Joe Ingles, another down week for him, four points, three rebounds, and half an assist. That's the glaring one. Usually when Joey's playing his best, he's got a line like five points, seven rebounds, and eight assists, something like that. Um, but uh, this last, probably the last month, he's had a bit of a struggle there. Josh Green, 10 points, two rebounds, 1.5 assists for the week. And without further ado, obviously, Josh Giddy is back. He's ninth uh, Robogues Aussie Player of the Week. So that wraps up the Aussies, Pro. Yeah, uh, Green actually saw him play today. You know, he played solid. You know, I think he's going to be a good starter and starting player. You know, he, he, they, they love him there because he doesn't need the ball. He, his shot's falling. He's tough. He takes it to the basket. He's not afraid. Um, you know, so I, I, it was good to see. And one, uh, Jock actually had eight rebounds in 12 minutes today. So, you know, it was, it was pretty good to see. I think his consistent minute base is going to be right around there. You know, it should be higher, but it'll probably be somewhere around there. I think he's outplayed by Ambo. I think they, they might go with him for, for for at least the short term. So who knows? But um, yeah, that was in Giddy won it for the ninety eighth out of the ninety ninth time. So <laughs> yeah. Well, it's hard. His numbers. He's almost triple double like every every week. So he's he's actually down on his usual numbers. But um, I mean the competitors are usually Paddy usually has a week or two, but he hasn't been in the lineup. Um, Jock doesn't get enough minutes to try and get massive numbers. So, and Jack White. Oh, sorry, I failed to mention Jack White. He's he's still DMP land. So, but um, yeah, I mean for the national team, pro you look at Dyson Daniels, Josh Giddy, Paddy Mills. Um, who else do we have? Uh, it's Josh Green. You know, uh, Delhi's still kind of in, in the fray. There's five guards. You can't take them all. So, um, Joe Ingles is in there as well. Dante Exum's overseas playing really well. It's another guard. So, you've got six guards that are playing at a high level around the world, right? It's going to be – someone's going to get the rough end of the stick on, on, on the Boomers campaign, which is coming up in two, September this year is the World Cup. And then uh, 
the Olympics next next year in um, in Paris. So um, picking that team is going to be very hard, pro. It's going to be a lot of a lot of coaches pulling their hair out, and someone's going to get screwed. All right, NBL Australia, uh, the FIBA break. So Australia. <sighs> These games, pro, um, you probably don't follow it too much. Um, uh-uh. But Australia's in the FIBA Asia Cup, uh, and these these games are not very beneficial for Australia. I mean, it, it usually is guys that you know they took guys from the um, NBL teams that weren't in the finals. But it's it's a struggle beating you know Kazakhstan's of the world by fifty and, and whatnot. I, I don't know. I don't think it's good for the game. Um, I understand it. We get it. It's the new qualifying path. What I hate about it is it pauses the NBL season. So there's an agreement between FIBA and leagues that you need to you need to stop your season and let that be the kind of what everyone's looking at. Um, and I don't think that's a good thing either because it, it kills momentum for us going into a grand final. We're now going to have a, you know what is it? It's almost a ten day break between games. Um, it's it's not good, but. I don't know. That's something that I would fix. I don't know how you fix it, but you know, I don't want to go see Australia beat up. Probably no offense to the players playing, but not many of those guys would have an actual chance of making the the the, the, the Olympic squad, second, third odd best team that we could take, um, beating up on Kazakhstan and whatnot. And it's no, not not just in the guys. Don't get me wrong, they're doing it's honor for them to represent the country, but those games aren't aren't really. Aren't really doing anything, and if I was a fan going to watch that, you'd be like, "Man, it's, you kind of feel bad for the team getting pummeled." But anyway, that just passed. Uh, Simon Mitchell is gone from the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. That's no surprise there. They've, he was part of their first season in the league, built them up. I think he's done a good job building them and getting to where they are. But I think it's the right decision to hand over the reins to someone else. They've, they've kind of choked into two big finals the last couple of years. They need to make some changes. So that was done. And Sam McKinnon has also been fired as the GM of the Brisbane Bullets. So he's he's moving on to to something else and they've given him the flick with all the turmoil going on there. So I don't think it's going to be the fix for him, but uh, they can hope. I uh, also caught up with Peter Hooley, NBL analyst, former NBL player, and broke down the previous NBL season, all eight teams that are not currently in the finals. We gave a breakdown of where they're at, where their season was at. That episode will drop uh, a day or two after this one. So give that a listen. And we also gave a grand final preview. So look out for that later in the week. Stats Pro, useful or useless? You ready? Mm-hmm. Who in NBA history has the most games with 12 plus three-pointers made? Larry Bird. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, uh, we see. Don't cheat. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Um, probably Steph. How many players? Just one. Uh, there's one player that has has done it three times. There's one player that's done it twice, and there's no one else that's done it more than one time. All right, I would just, I would definitely do Steph and Ray Allen. No, Clay. Clay's ah. at three because he had the nice. last one a couple of nights ago where he was hot oh. and hit 12 threes. Steph, number two, with two. He's done it twice. No one else in NBA history has done it more than once. Useful or useless? Useful. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, very it's, useful. A lot of fuck, it's a lot of fucking threes to make in a game, boy. That's. I remember Brian Shaw, I think, had the record of 10. Uh, did it for a like while, in the 90s. Yeah. yeah, but that's that's a lot of threes, man. 12 in a game, it's hard enough to take 12. Well, not these days, but you know, it's hard enough to take 12. Imagine making 12, that's crazy. It's fun to watch though when guys get that hot, like Clay. No I, I watched that game when he got that hot, and 
you know, he's coming off pin downs. Everyone knows they're running stuff for him to get another shot off and and contested and 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 it just it just you just know what's going in. <laughs> like he's you know some amazing shots that he made. Um, so and and he's having a bit of a resurgence probably this last month. He's he's found his shot. He's steps out of the lineup. There goes some injuries. He hit some big ones tonight again against Minnesota, and um, he's he's finding his legs a little bit. So congrats to him and bouncing back from Achilles and a knee back to, to really good form, which he'll carry on into the off-season and next season. And, and obviously, he's been on record saying he wants to be an all-star again. He's, he's, he's heading that direction again. So, I would say useful as well. I mean, uh, to, that's, that's tough to do. Uh, three times breaking breaking NBA historical records, but easier, easier to do in today's game if you're a shooter, no doubt. Uh, but to make 12 threes is, is phenomenal. All right, Josh Hart, three-pointers. 10 in his first five games as a Nick. Nine in his last 15 games as a blazer. He's shooting 62.5% from deep as a Nick, and coincidentally, they're on a they're on a tear right now. I think five straight games, and they're playing really good basketball. Useful or useless? Useless only because of the fact that it's um, not a lot of, you know, guys can get hot for a little while, and he, he really hasn't shown that in a long time in his career that he can do that. But, I mean, I'm not saying it's totally useless, but if you're comparing it useful, useless for right now, I would say useless. But it is pretty interesting for sure. Yeah, I'll go useless as well, but based on sample size, because only five games in. But the reason why I bring it up is it's amazing how you know players can struggle. And Matisse Thybulle is the other one, right? Like they can struggle on one team and then go to another team that's just a jigsaw puzzle fits. It just I feel better with his team. I feel more comfortable. I know he's his boys with Brunson. Maybe he feels better about being out east. I don't know. But it's amazing how much a system can change players' mentality and confidence. And this is a prime example. And I think this pickup outside of the three-point shooting, I think this is one of the most underrated pickups uh that wasn't really spoken about during trade season. I like Josh Hart. I think he plays real hard. He's actually a very, very Oh, he's an elite rebounder for his size. He, he's often, I think he's averaging like nine and eight or something, or 10 and eight. Um, very good rebounder for his size. He's a very good finisher in the paint and draw fouls. And the three-point ones, the, that's the thing he just needs to consistently keep it that he's not going to shoot 63% for the whole season, but keep it at 40, man, he's, he's going to be, he's a very valuable piece. So I, I love that acquisition by the Knicks. And uh, I think it was very, very underrated and flew under the radar. So, all right, last one. Sacramento Kings this season, pro. A team that we've shat on for the most part of two years on this mm-hmm. podcast. And mm-hmm. rightfully so. Rightfully so, Kings fans. I was a Kings fan as a, as a young fellow, so um, don't go too hard. But they have the highest offensive rating of all time. Of course. Um, the first in points per game, first in clutch field goal percentage, undefeated in overtime, of course, fifth in assists per game, and they're about to end the longest playoff drought in the NBA, pro. Useful or useless? Um. Everything but the best offense of all time, useful. I think the offensive, offensive rating of all time. Yeah, I fucking hate that shit. Because uh, every every week somebody breaks it. Every week somebody breaks it. <laughs> it's crazy. They um, are balling like, though. Mike Brown deserves credit. They're, they're balling. We didn't give no, them a lot of respect they, going in. No, they're playing well. D- no doubt, and they they are back. It's great to see. Um, no doubt about it. Um, no doubt there. It's been great, but I don't like the offensive best of all time deal because it gets broken seven times a year. Like the Maverick, remember that one year? Like the Mavericks got it, the Celtics got it. 
Like, and then every week it's like, well, this guy's the best of all time. This this is the best offense of all time. So that stuff gets a little bit skewed in my opinion. But I do believe based on everything what's going on in Sacramento right now, it's awesome. And and But I, I don't like the offensive rating thing. I'll say useless on that end. But as far as what's happened in that organization, they're definitely going in the right direction. They've got good young players. They've got a, a coach that's coaching them up. Um, they're winning. They're third in the they're third in the West right now, I believe. Um, yeah, all good. I just say it's useless with the best offense of all time deal. I'm I'm, I'm not a big fan. The offensive rating of all time, but mm. yeah, that's me. Yeah, I think they're doing well. No, uh, no. One thing I'll note, pro their press conference against I think it was post the Clippers, was it, or pre or post? Darren Fox and Monk basically. Yeah, so the John Morant comment of we don't care who's over in that locker room like, asked about the Clippers and what they think about Russ and we don't care about them like they need to be worrying about us mentality yeah. pump the brakes Kings you, you're not there yet pump the brakes I didn't like that I, I think they've they've somewhat flown under the radar I like confidence but you know you're not there yet you, you've made the playoffs for the, the longest playoff drought in the NBA you finally made it. Don't start beating your chest yet. <laughs> like, And it's different. No one expected you to do it this season. That's why you're sneaking up on a lot of teams and rightfully so. You're playing well. But you say you finish you know, third, fourth in the West and maybe you win a first round, maybe you don't. Next season's a different story. You're going to have a target on your chest. So I didn't like those comments. I don't like that because you're not there yet. Get to a conference finals or a finals, win a championship, then beat your chest as much as you want. So that was just one little chink in the armor that I saw. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully they can fix that. But um, I would say useful. They're, they're playing real well. Mike Brown deserves a lot of credit. Uh, they're utilizing the talent that they have. So bonus a phenomenal year. Fox a phenomenal year. Harrison Barnes has embraced a, a good veteran leadership role there. Monk is a bucket off the bench. Um, they have a lot of pieces that can be very, very good. So um, I like the way they're going, and I love to see a, a franchise that finally gets out of the doldrums and and can compete uh, at a competitive level. What do you have this week? Fact or fake news? Actually, uh, I got one for you. I got yeah. one for you. Sure. All right. On that all-star theme, uh, the USA versus the world game saves the all-star game. Fact or fake news? Oh, it's fake news. No. <laughs> it's, it'll, it, it'll be good for a year. It'll be good for a year. But it's not going like to save Like a new car, huh? You and Shiny when you get it. That's like McClung saving the dunk contest. It saved the dunk contest (laughs) for one year. And now, you know, next year is going to be the same old deal unless they start pumping some really good players in it, what people want to see. I just don't think so, Bogues. I I think maybe a year, maybe two, but players are going to do the same, revert back. They're just going to be like, all right, it's not a gold medal. That's the thing. Like, you know, Hmm. they do that with the United States. They do the uh, Nike puts on the Hoop Summit where it's the United States versus the international team. And, and yeah, that, that's got a little bit of decent flair to it because those guys never really play against each other anyway, mostly. But for the NBA, these guys are playing against each other all the time. And it's like, it's still an all-star game. And it's still that deal. And, I mean, what are they going to do? Give them $10 million a piece? Like, what, what's, like, I don't think any prize money. Those All those guys are all-stars. Unless they're on their rookie deal, they're making 20, 20 to $30 million to $40 million a year anyway. They're not going to care about a dollar amount. They're really not. It, it's, you know, and you're not going to do anything that's going to be like, you know, maybe if you give them like four years of service, everybody gets four more years of service on their, 
you know, on their career or something. I, nothing's gonna, nothing is gonna help that All Star game, in my opinion. I think it's a lost cause. I think you just get rid of it, and I think you put more money, resources into like contests, celebrity games, meet and greets. Like you said, it's a great idea. Meet and greets with fans. You know, breakouts. You know, put them in like three thousand seat situations where he could just, they could just talk to fans, do a Q and A. You know, do something where they could like you know not meet the player, but like be be seen. I don't think it's gonna help. I think it's fake news. What do you think, Bugs? Uh, yeah, I'll go fake news. I think it'll be it'll help for a year or two and draw some interest. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a, it's a new car, like it's new and shiny for a year till a bird shits on it and you get your first service and your seats worn out and then there's some new technology and a newer model. So I think it might help it for a year or two. Does it save it? No. What do you got? All right, I'm gonna go an East team and a West team. So right now the New York Knicks. You know, sitting pretty, you know, pretty well right now. I believe they're in sixth. You know, uh, Brooklyn Nets are in fifth. Right now, Cleveland's in fourth. And my, hold on, let me get the updated numbers just so we're good. Um, okay, so the New York Knicks right now are sitting at nine and a half backs, tied with Brooklyn for fifth. Do they overtake Cleveland, who's six and a half out? So they're three games out for the rest of the year. Um, Cleveland's got 18 games left, and New York's got 20 games left. Do they overtake Cleveland for the fourth spot in the East? Fact, fake news. They will. Fact or fake news? No, fake news. I, I think the Knicks are balling right now. Um, but you know, Cleveland haven't been playing that well uh, mm-hmm. as of late. Not as well as they have. They, they lost three straight. Um before this win, before that they had that what is it a uh, seven game win streak, but then they had the last the last week I think that the all star hangover all that kind of stuff pre and post I think hasn't been great to them, but yeah I don't see the Knicks going on a massive tear to that extent. I think they're going to make the six for sure. I think they can nab five. Um, I think they can you know because I think Brooklyn's going to fall out. That's just my opinion. They're tied right now. I think Brooklyn falls out. I think. Miami or Atlanta have a chance to sneak in. Even Toronto, by the way, have been playing better. Um, their last month, they're seven and three in their last ten. They're the most informed team in the in that bottom half, below six and below. Oh, sorry, seven and below. So they might sneak up too. But um, yeah, I, I don't think the Knicks are going to. They're going to be around five, six, in my opinion. I don't think they'll fall out of, out because I think they're uh, two and a half above seven. But um, yeah, fake news. They're not going to take. They're not going to take Cleveland. I think Cleveland get home court against most likely the Knicks in five. You know what, folks? I've been so I've been so down on the Knicks for a while. I'm gonna say fact. I say they they catch Cleveland. Three games, eh? I mean, come on. I'm like 28 percent anyway when it comes to these predictions. But I'm gonna go with them anyway. I'll go with the Knicks. I like the Josh Hart pickup. I think it's very underrated. I think you know. I think they're defending a little bit better. I think they you know they're playing a little, the little confidence. Three games, you know. Give Spike Lee something to cheer for. Why not? So I say, I say, fact they they catch him, and then let's talk about the Sacramento Kings. Right now they're sitting third, six and a half out, and second Memphis Grizzlies at five out. Do they catch uh, Memphis in that second spot? Fact or fake news? Uh, I'd probably say I'll probably go fake news, uh, just based on. I haven't looked at the schedules. I don't know the strength of schedules and all that fun stuff. But um, I think 
Memphis are still a better team. You put Memphis in sack in a series, I think Memphis wins that. Um, but yeah, Sacramento, I think they've they've overachieved. I, I mean, I guess with all the shit going on in Phoenix, the Clippers and Dallas, uh, even Golden State, injuries, trades, all that shit, uh, they've all fallen and Sacramento's taken advantage of that. But I still think, you know, Sacramento plays Dallas in a series if it starts today. You think Sac's winning that series? Outside of your question, Pro? No, no, they're not. Exactly. So that's, I'm still not sold on SAC as far as, I think they've had a great regular season, but I think they're a prime example of this is the first step of your rebuild. You got to learn the hard truths once you get to, to playoff basketball and then you got to be better for it next season. That's kind of what I think. If they get through the first round and even potentially get get, get, to, get to a second round, that's a great season for them. So no, fake news. They won't overtake the Memphis Grizzlies. I think one and two is pretty much locked in the West as close as it is. Um, I just don't see SAC improving that much to, to, to jump to two. Yeah, to be honest with you, you know, I don't know who I, you know, hate more in in interviews, the Sacramento Kings or the fucking Memphis Grizzlies, but <laughs> I agree with you. I think it's fake news. I don't think they'll beat them out. It all, although it's only a game and a half, but um yeah, I think I think Memphis is good enough to close that that deal out cuz it is a big difference between getting two and getting three. So, in, in some huge difference. And and Phoenix yeah. is is in four, nine and a half behind first. So they're only four and a half behind Memphis. And KD's room to be back this week. So, you know, I don't think he, they go on this massive tear, but they could. They could go, you know, they could be 75, 80% for the rest of the season. That'll throw them in the mix to get to that top three and maybe even take it off SAC. If SAC have a get it too, too far ahead of themselves, not worried about anyone but themselves. They drop a couple. Phoenix take a couple, you know. So, but I have to check the strength of schedules. But on face value, I, I think that it stays one two for Denver and uh, and Memphis. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. All right, another episode in the books. Don't forget to check out that NBL wrap, which will drop a day or two after you listen to this one for all your NBL news and um, our tips for the grand final and and how everything went this season for your team. How old NBL Pro. How old Sorry. How old Tully? He's early thirties. He retired early. Retired early. You know, uh, you know, he had some some knee issues. Yeah. Did he play in the United States? Yeah, he played at Albany. It's funny, folks. I know a guy who coached him, and I think I saw him at the All China Camp for Nike when when I worked it about ten years ago. Which would which would sort of he, it might have been him or his brother. Didn't he have like a brother who played too? I think. I, I forgot, but uh, you know, I went to this all China camp where they bring you know best players out of Australia, New Zealand, and I think he was at that camp. That's that's interesting. Might have been, yeah. He had a great college career um, over there, and then played a lot in the minor leagues over in Australia, and played a little bit in the NBL, grinded his way up there. But uh, major, yeah, he had major knee issues, and he was just like, I could have got another three, four years in the minor leagues, but he's like, at what cost for for a banged up knee? So I feel the pain, yeah. brother. <laughs> <laughs> I did yeah. it. I did it in the pros. So, um, but yeah, and no, I was a good, good interview. And he's he follows. He's a commentator for the NBL, uh, analyst breaks down all the games. So he was a good guy to talk talk down how everything went. All right, pro. We'll see you next week. Appreciate it. At Hoop Consultants for Pro at Rogue Bones on all other socials. We'll see you next week. All right, see you later. See you next week. Let's get rogue.